paper here. Okay. So, anyways, so now tonight I'm going to share in in not bits and pieces, but I'm going to share more in the extent of what happened in my whole life. Okay. And I just want you to know that God was with me all the way. And I recognize that there's a thread, a golden thread going through it. And you will see it as I, I say what I say. What's it called? Which is okay. Wonderful. All right. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to read it and I may um, add a little, a little bit. Can you hear? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not used to this, you know. Okay, I start out by saying my life has been a simple, extraordinary life filled with God's blessings, mercies, and love. His grace abounding, always protecting me in every circumstance. Praise God, he has always protected me and been there at every turn. Can you hear it? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. God created me for a purpose in a time such as this and placed me in this world through my father, Harold J. Brown, and my mother, Frances Ann Gina Brown, as their firstborn child born to them in St. Clair, Michigan. They named me Donna Joanne. My mother named me after a little girl that had long curls that walked by the house when she was pregnant. Okay, of which would be changed later in life. Five other children would be born to them before I was 13 years old. I was born into the Catholic faith. This is where I found faithfulness in attending church on Sunday and keeping Sunday holy. We moved from St. Clair to Algonac, Michigan when I was three and lived with my mother's father where I attended public school from kindergarten through fourth grade. Then we moved back to St. Clair, Michigan, where I attended St. Mary's School, fourth grade to the eighth grade. And just before I started high school, my parents got a divorce. This was so devastating to me because my father and I were very close. He was a nurturing father. My mother was not a nurturing mother. She kept us fed and clean. My mother started drinking and going to bars with a lady friend, and I would babysit her 10-year-old son. She started smoking to get even with my father. Shortly after that, she got involved with a man who had served time in prison for armed robbery. He would flash $100 bills in front of us. I was not able to accept him um, taking the place of my father. This is where God protected me in the ninth grade, the family services in the school for children got involved, and I ended up being placed in a home of the Foley family. I had been their babysitter. After seven months, my mother divorced her second husband, and he went back to prison. She married three times after that. She was 87 when her fifth husband died um, of Alzheimer's, and she said, I'm done. Um, Towards the end of the ninth grade, Mr. Eddy, who was the principal of the high school, called me into his office to offer me a job for the summer, helping his daughter, Margaret Zimmer, who had two small children, one and two, and had had the hard measles. While I was there for the summer, my mother was getting married again to her third husband, 
and moving to Trenton, Michigan. The Zimmers invited me to stay with them to finish high school. My mother was reluctant for me to do this, but she finally consented. God was right there. He had a plan for, for me unfolding. The Zimmers were a blessing and an important part of that plan. Otherwise, you would never know me. I finished high school and worked at St. Clair Hospital, making baby formula, doing laundry and passing trays for two years when Bernard Zimmer got a promotion in the banking business and had to relocate to Indianapolis. They invited me to move with them. I got a job at Woolworths in Nora Plaza on 86th Street. I worked for two years when I inquired about joining the Sisters of St. Joseph in Tipton. I spent the summer in, in Michigan with an aunt in Algonac, Michigan, to break ties before I entered. And my father drove me from Michigan to uh, Tipton to the mother house. My father was always there for every important thing in my life. Um, by now, I was going on 23 years old. I became a postulant for one year, a novice for two years, and a junior sister for two years. At the end of my junior year, I was to take a temporary vow, which to me was a final vow. For me, there was no, only one vow. There was a ceremony when we came down the aisle in the wedding dress and picked, that we had picked out to receive a packet with our habit in it and went back to change to it. Then we came back to receive the name the Lord had for us. He changed my name to Margaret Marie and then... I took first vows, which for me, again, was the only vow. After the summer of 1964, I was given my first assignment to go to Crawfordsville, Indiana, to teach the first grade with three of us in this community. Every summer, the sisters joined back to the mother house, attending school there. I never thought I would do either. I thought I would work in the gardens around the mother house or do housekeeping or, or whatever they had to do. I found out you can teach school without a, a degree. My second year of teaching was the second grade at St. Joan of Arc here in Kokomo. There were seven of us, and we had the best community, and I had the best grade there was, and wanted, I was looking forward to going back. After that year, I was assigned to go back, but shortly after that, I got changed. I was reassigned to teach um, for the first and second grade, at, in Lebanon, Indiana, because the sister who taught there that year before wanted to leave the religious life. It was a challenging year. Half of the uh, second graders did not get the reading skills they needed. The first grade had to be taught on their level. Also, I had a spinal bifida boy in, in a wheelchair, and, start, and, and he was starting first grade. There were three of us living in the house on the property of the school. We didn't really have a community spirit and never prayed in the room that was our chapel together. We went our different ways for the weekend, and I went back to St. Joan of Arc because that's where I had the community. And on Thursday night in February, I rode with my superior to Kokomo to visit a friend while she was visiting a sister in the hospital. On our way... There, she told me the priest there in Lebanon was looking f to replace her as principal. I was shocked. I thought, how could that be? I had no idea about anything. 
And when I reached my friend's house, Judy Schaefer, I asked her if I could use her phone to call back to Lebanon to ask the priest if this was true. He was looking for a new principal. He said yes. And I said, you can look for a first and second grade teacher also. I did find out my superior was taken out of St. Patrick's and sent to Lebanon because she was in relationship with a priest there. She was gone a lot after school, and I realized then why we didn't have community that year and why we didn't pray together. The third sister and older sister obviously took information back to the mother house. We would all leave and go our separate ways for the weekend, Friday to Sunday. But this particular weekend, I stayed by myself while the others left. I was disappointed in all that I had learned about the situation and, that, and all that had gone on over the year. A priest called the mother house to let them know my response. On Saturday night, uh, I got a call from one of the council members saying, do you know what you've done, sister? And you are to come to the mother house to meet with Mother Rosalind and our mother general on Monday. That night, I felt so desperate because I knew the consequences of my decision. I felt helpless enough to take 10 bufferin, not to face the situation in my life. After doing that, I was frightened and called a priest's friend, Father Bob Gerth, to tell him what I had done and, and asked to go to confession. He was in the hospital recovering from back surgery. He told me to go to bed, and he called my former superior, Sister Celeste. I, spoke up, I woke up the next morning hearing cars coming to church and a pounding on the door. I worked myself down the stairs, and I was so sick. She came to get me to take me to St. Joan of Arc so I could go to the mother house on Monday. Yes, I met with Mother Rosalind. She said, you either go back or take off your veil and take it to your junior um, su superior. I said, I could not do that. I said, taking my veil off did not make me any less a sister. It was in my heart. I never intended to give up my covenant commitment to the Lord, and, and I didn't. I realized I had to trust the Lord 100%. Only he could give me supernatural strength and direct my path. I was able to stay at St. Joan of Arc and, and, and I got to teach uh, a fifth grade teacher, sister had broken her arm, so I got to teach her class. I got paid a salary during that time. The sisters uh, leave their missions and go to the mother house all summer for schooling. There was a parishioner at St. Pat's who hired people for Delco. I received a call from from him to go to work at Delco Electronics. I started August 17, 1970. I lived with Mike and Jackie Hossam until I was, I was sure of no layoffs. Then I rented a house next to Judy Canetti for a couple years and then bought a house on Broadway. God worked out everything to this point and would do even more in the future. A friend of mine, Regina Black, a nurse at St. Joe's Hospital, and I were searching for something more. We attended a Nekakar Ekankar meeting, Soul Travel, and realized this was not the thing to be involved in. Right after that, we learned of a charismatic prayer meeting starting 
up under the leadership of um, Dick and Mary Lou Ritberger. It started in their home in Tipton until we grew to be 75 people attending. I played the auto harp in the music group and became involved in the Life in the Spirit seminars. After about five years, it came to an end. We formed small groups, and during this time, we were receiving milk, learning and growing. And then the meat of our continued growth was to put it into action, going out and using the gifts God gave us to serve him and others. God was doing a new thing. After being a member of St. Joan of Arc, I started attending St. Patrick's just nine blocks from where I lived. One day, as I was going to St. Patrick's to church, I found this little three-year-old boy crying in the street alongside of the school. I took him by the hand and walked him into the school where the babysitting was. They didn't even know he was gone. And when I went to the room, I could see one of, one in, the one in charge and, by her, and was by herself was frustrated, and she didn't want to be in that position anymore. I stayed to help and realized I could do this. I took over with the help of um, scheduling some of the young people to help. God, was, God has a unique way of bringing us in front of what he wants us to do. Amen. And while I was still at St. Patrick's, father, um, my father came for the weekend of Father's Day, 1992, and brought my brother, Bob, I hadn't seen for years. He wanted, to he wanted us to visit, so he wanted to go and visit a, a community, an Amish community, so I uh, told him where to go, uh, Napanee, and so he, he went there. Um, he was coming back from there and was killed coming out of the, high uh, on the highway. He never got to spend Father's Day with us, we left for Michigan the next day for his um, burial coming up. He was 72 and still working, managing the Detroit Medical Center. And as, de as devastating as it was, God was there working out everything. My friend Rose Addington invited me to attend St. Andrews. At first, I would go there, and then I would go to their service. But I soon realized God was directing me to stay at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, and I didn't have to go to both of the services. I wrote a letter to Father Mor um, Morris Miller, and he responded back, giving me his blessing, and said he would pray for me and ask me to pray for them. And while I was at St. Andrew's, I became a greeter, uh, a Eucharistic minister, a lecturer. I served on the vestry for two years um, and a member of St. Anne's Guild for two terms. Um, the vestry was, and, and, and I'm still with St. Anne's Guild. I came a part of the urban outreach under the direction of Jeff Newton and serving meals on Sunday night at Gateway Garden, Pine Valley, and Park, Park United Methodist Church. Also, I came alongside of Mary Ingle teaching Sidewalk Sunday School. I, helped, I also became involved with the Saturday morning breakfast at St. Andrews, serving, setting up, and getting supplies from the pantry at Gatewood Garden. I was a part of an intercessory group that met in the outside chapel of the church. There were 10 of us. Little by little, many of them passed away. Jack Mapes was the only man in our group. 
he passed away in February of last year, and we were down to Rose and myself, and we don't really meet. We just meet on a social basis. We haven't done that. So when I joined St. Andrews, I let it be known that I was there for the body of Christ. This stands true today. I am still a part of St. Anne's Guild, which meets once a month, raising money for outreach. Also, they have made me a chaplain, one who prays before and after the meetings. Also, I attend the animal blessing each year with my dogs, fish fries, and other social things to keep in touch with the body of Christ there. Brenda and I were led to um, attend the family of God here at Kokomo Christian Fellowship, and it wasn't long when I realized God was leading me here, and this is where my home is. This is where I belong. I am now involved in two prayer meetings on Monday and Friday. Uh, I am also in the Ministry of Presence, visiting and praying at Northwood Commons Assistant Living. Some have had to leave and go to nursing homes and memory centers. I follow them wherever they go. God uses me in the body of Christ here at St. Kokomo Christian Fellowship with the gifts he has given me, centering in on helping people to feel special, coming alongside of them when they need help, and praying for the different situations in their lives. I am about the Father's business, blessing others in whatever way he directs me. I have been a part of Psalms Bible study for years, which has helped me to be able to put into action what I have learned from the, this his word. We all need to learn to be there for others as he leads us, loving them, accepting them to be who Christ has purposed for them to be. I thank God every day for all of you, and may you be blessed beyond imagination, knowing God has a hand in it all. Thank you for accepting me as I am, it is a wonderful journey I am on with Christ as a sinner. I am his, his forever until the end. My covenant commitment will always be his. I love you all. <laughs> okay. Now, in the back, there are pictures. That if you want to view them and look at them, I brought them. And um, there's also a, a, a little writing there that I want you to take with you because it really does speak, you know, of what we've been talking about here a little bit. And then now I'm going to share two songs on the harp, Something Beautiful and Yahweh You Are Near. And may you be touched by them and know they belong to you also. Okay. Something beautiful, something good, all my confusion he understood, all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. <clears throat> Something good All my confusion He understood All I had to offer him Was brokenness and strife 
beautiful of my life. <coughs> Yahweh, I know you are near, standing always at my side. You Lord, you have searched my heart, and you know when I sit and when I stand. Your hand is upon me, protecting me from death, keeping me from harm. still be
you, Margaret.